like the Buffalo Bills. What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English. Joining my co-host, Andrew Overwich. We are back with another episode, and what a past week it has been for Buffalo sporting fans. The Bandits back-to-back wins this weekend, securing a playoff berth. Dane Smith gets his 300th career goal. The Sabres come back from 4-0 down. Yes, you heard that correctly, 4-0 down and won a hockey game. And then the cherry on top, the Buffalo Bills announced the new stadium, new lease, 30 years, going to be built right across the street from the current Bills stadium. A lot to talk about, but... Let's start with the Bandits. Andrew, you were there on Saturday before they went um, on the road and faced the same team Sunday. Won both games by a score of 16-11. Back in the playoffs, take us through the atmosphere, the game itself, um, and just what more can we say about this team? Yeah, so uh, absolutely incredible game. Uh, It had everything you would have wanted, right? It had lead changes. It got chippy. Um, tons of incredible goals. Um, it was an incredible showing by the Bandits. And right, so Halifax, uh, we played Halifax this weekend, all weekend. We played them twice, like you said. Um, right, they're a tough team. They're a different team than the Bandits have played um, so far this year. Um, right, Halifax is a little bit bigger, um, more physical than teams they're used to playing. Um, Right. And the bandits, obviously they're number one in the league. Everyone's trying to chase them. Everyone's trying to play up. Um, They know what the bandits can do. Uh, They're very quick, sharp um, team. Their offensive style is we're just going to pass it until you get dizzy. And then we're going to shove it down your throat and put in the back of the net. Right. That is the bandits offensive style. Um, It's very precise. Um, and a a skillful style of offense. Right. And most, most teams they've played so far this year have played like a zone defense on them to try to uh, make up for that fast style of, of offense that they play. Um, Halifax, however, uh, came out in a man defense, right? So they, like I said, they're big, they're physical, they're dominant. And I don't think the bandits were really ready for it um, right off the get go. Um, so the first peer, uh, first quarter was a bit touch and go back and forth, trying to figure out, Oh, okay. This isn't what we're used to. Right. Like, obviously I'm sure they knew it going into the game that they're going to play a, a man defense, but I don't think they fully um, were ready for it. Um, then the second quarter was just a dumpster fire. I mean, the refs took over control of that game and I I didn't look at the numbers, but I don't think there was a stretch longer than like five minutes where there wasn't a penalty. Like it just, you could not get full strength lacrosse at all that whole second quarter. It honestly was kind of boring to watch at, at points, right? Cause just consistently someone going to the, uh, to the box could not get, like I said, full strength teams could not get into a rhythm and that allowed Halifax to come back. Right. And they were leading. 16 and 10 in penalty minutes. I just looked at the Yeah, it, just, it, was, it was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, but 
thankfully the bandits are a second half team. They came out in the third, um, took back control of that game. Um, it was touch and go a little bit right back and forth. And then the fourth quarter, it was over. Uh, the bandits took charge. They knew what they were doing. Um, they stopped toying with Halifax and just put the game away. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. The goals again were outrageous players flying around the crease, incredible passes, incredible shots. Matt Vince, our goalie, just stood on his head again. The dude is unreal. Back to uh, back. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, incredibly good. He He's one of the, the reasons for the, the Bandit's success. Uh, we would not be where we are without him. He he showed up, um, showed up big for them on Saturday and again on Sunday. So um, incredibly entertaining game. It was incredibly full. Um in the arena on Saturday, right? Every game, this is the fourth or fifth game I've been to so far this season. And it just, there's just more and more and more people. Um, and it's only going to get more full as we continue on the last few weeks of the regular season into the playoffs starting here in, uh, in May, uh, May 5th is when playoffs start. So um, incredible showing at home. And then right. They end the game, hop on a flight and go straight to Halifax play him again and it just it was no match i mean the bandits just took over um it was another incredible game um and we are we clinched playoff uh the playoffs uh, on saturday that win saturday at home clinched the playoff spot for us so we are the only team in the nll right now who has a uh, a seat in the playoffs with the number one seed obviously and um if they were to Start the playoffs, uh, we would be playing the Swarm, I believe, uh, Georgia Swarm. So, But, I mean, there, there's no one that I'm afraid of, right? I mean, you look at who's in playoff contention right now on either side, the East and West, and it's just the Bandits own everyone. So, um, you know, it's just a matter of can they stay healthy, can they stay energized, which I have no doubt that they will, and um, enjoy the rest of the regular season and get ready for playoffs. Yeah, only five games left for them. Their next two are on the road, Philadelphia, Colorado. Then they yep. come back home against New York and then Georgia and then closing the year at home against Toronto. So um, yep. good little stretch there. I mean, they have, like you said, they're pretty much above everyone. There's not – unless they really screw things up, it's going to be hard for them not to be the one seed and not – it's going to be just a rocket atmosphere – in Buffalo for the bandits in the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. So we play on Thursday, the 31st. So you know, today, if you're listening to this, when it comes out, right. Um, against Philadelphia, um, right. Who's a team who's fighting to stay relevant in the playoffs. And that, I mean, that's what we're going to get the rest of the season. Our, our teams who are fighting to stay in the playoffs, the playoff caliber teams. Um, so they're going to give you the best they have. So, um, you know, bandits got to stay sharp, stay on top of it. Um, and, you know, keep hold of that number one seed going to the playoffs. Again, you can watch that game tonight, ESPN Plus. And if sure. you're flicking around, you can flick back and forth between that and the Sabres first Winnipeg. They're playing tonight as well. Um, but before we kind of get over to the Sabres, it's kind of hard to bypass the week that the Bills had. Um, yep. New stadium. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But I do want to start with the two free agents. Well, not I guess, yes, free agent signings, bring their own guys back. Um, Ike Bakker, back, one-year deal. Um, he's obviously coming off a major injury that happened in December against the Patriots. Then 
you know, it seemed like based on that, there was a chance that they maybe weren't going to match Bates, just kind of what everyone was kind of speculating. And then long and behold, not even, you know, hours, if not a day later, you get the, the Bills will match Ryan Bates' four-year, $17 million deal that he intended to sign with the Chicago Bears. I believe it was 8.5 guaranteed. Um, still not a bad contract for a guy that came in and really solidified that offensive line. And I think what these two moves do is just make it clear what they need to do for the rest of free agency in the draft. It's cookie cut clean. I mean, going, if they didn't bring back Bates, I think it'd be very hard not to think going offensive line in one of the first two rounds, because that would still be a hole unless you really felt Cody Ford was going to be a good starter at that spot. But now Bates slides right into that right guard spot has the chemistry um, with those guys, I assume Roger Saffold's going to go on the left guard spot next to Deion Dawkins. So we'll get that Bakker return midway, you know, early on in the season, just based on his injury. And I think it makes it pretty easy that the bills are going to be going wide receiver or cornerback. Um, if not both in the first two rounds of the draft. And then the real thrill of Stefan Diggs rumors, everything going around, Things have finally cleared up as Trayvon Diggs, his brother, said, man, it would be awesome to get 14 in a Dallas Cowboys uniform. And Josh Allen just straight up, no. <laughs> and I think that pretty much answered all the questions that needed to be had because Stephon Diggs even commented under that with a bunch of laughing, crying of face emojis. So I think 17 and 14 are pretty good, and that connection is not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, so before we get to the stadium, just your thoughts on bringing those two key uh, offensive lineman back. Yeah. Well, first, before I even do that, someone needs to take Stefan Diggs's Twitter away. <laughs> these, these cryptic tweets are driving me and I know everyone else absolutely crazy. I mean, he's just toying with the public at this point, right? That's very obvious, but man, he's, it's ridiculous i i had to unfollow him i am unfollowing him until an extension is signed or the season starts or something because it's driving me crazy just the random things he's tweeting they're so cryptic they make no sense and then you see all the idiots below it saying oh he's coming to our team he's coming to this team he's coming to that team blah, blah. and it's just like oh my god enough i i can't i can't i can't handle it so he's got to stop tweeting um anyway <laughs> lineman signing yeah so i you know, glad um, Butker's back, figured that was going to happen, was not expecting us to get Bates back. Uh, was super very excited. Very surprised. <laughs> yeah, very excited that we got him, um, that they matched the offer to Chicago. Um, was not expecting that, but that's huge. I mean, it's depth for your line. It's security for your line, security for Josh. Um, and I feel super comfortable and confident that this draft can all be fun, shiny, flashy toys, right? Some for Josh, some for the secondary. You don't have to worry about your big men anymore, right? Like you are good on both sides of the ball when it comes to the trenches. You've got a good lineup, a good depth chart for you in front of Josh on the other side of the ball, you're stacked. You've got veteran presence mixed with the up-and-coming young guys that have been 
working and paying their dues. Um, so incredible job again, hats off to Brandon Bean and his staff for making it happen. Just pulling money out of thin air. I don't know where the hell this is all coming from, but, um, it's impressive. They're in great shape. Um, I'm back. I'm fully back on the wide receiver with the first pick. Um, and then give me secondary the rest of the draft. Um, right. I mean, just incredible job. That's, it's what you needed. It's what needed to be done. It was the right move and they made it happen. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm sure Josh, I'm sure Josh is excited. Um, and it's, it's good to bring those guys back right there. Those glue guys that know what it means to be a bill, know what it means to play here um, and are hungry to keep winning. And, and right. They've got that next man up mentality. We saw that throughout last season um, with, you know, Butker goes down, Bates steps up. Um, Ford is bounced around, you know, Spencer Brown's or everyone's just bouncing around. Dion is bounced around. He's on COVID. Um, so that, that offensive lineman core is, um, really strong and, and, you know, are ready to just go out and battle whenever they need to, wherever they need to, uh, which is another good thing to have. So I'm excited about it. Yeah. I think next week we'll definitely get our first full, um, mock draft in now that we kind of have a better, idea and still another week to see if being ends up adding another you know veteran player at cornerback or something um you know they've added a little bit on offense in the wide receiver room jameson crowder um liked that signing i don't really know if we talked about that too much um that's a i think that's a good replacement for half the price of cole beasley he's a guy yeah, that that's... shredded the bills for t- the last two three years and yeah, he's that's... Go ahead. That's a sign. That, yeah, that's sorry. That's a signing that's gone really under the radar. Um, I think that's a huge pickup for them, right? I I wasn't expecting. He wasn't even on my rate. Like I didn't even really know he was available. Um, but that's a good, solid signing. He's cheap. He's incredibly talented, um, right? He brings speed, consistency, uh, consistency, experience. So another great pickup. Like. I forgot about it until you just said something. So and really Duke, John- Duke Johnson as well. Another kind of under the radar. He had a yep. really good stint at the end of the year with um, Miami. He has some returning abilities. So maybe he, you know, he did, you know, punt kickoff turn full year um, his first two full years with the Browns. So um, it's been a little bit, but you know, with McKenzie and Stevenson, you never really know. We know they don't want Micah back there unless it's kind of game on the line, just catch the ball um, type yep. deal. So I think that'll help push those guys as well. The, the the hardest part about all these signings and all the movement around the league is it's like you it sounds good right it looks good on paper you think they're going to mesh well but it's like you don't really know if these are good moves or not right like and it's hard to go out and try to find that information right like buffalo media no matter how like how much they say they're gonna be unbiased right i mean they're local media so they're, they're there's just by default going to be some bias there right or if you try to look nationally, um, right, to ESPN or NFL Network, like it, it's even hard there trying to get a read on who's making good moves or not, right? Because they always have to throw in that hype and everything for TV and to get listeners and readers and watchers. So it's like you don't really know where to turn to see if the moves your team is making or other teams around you are making are actually good or not. Right. You just have to play the waiting game until we get to training camp and preseason. And even then, you don't really know what you're getting because it's a whole different um, game being played. Right. You 
have to wait till September to really see what's happening. So um, that kind of sucks, right? Like, obviously you want to get excited about the moves and everything, but then, right. Like who knows, who knows if they're really doing the right thing or if the dolphins are really getting better or are they not, or, you know, the chiefs, like are moves they're making good or right in the AFC West, like you don't know. It's hard to tell. You you can't trust what you read or see from other folks. So that's what sucks about this. It's like you want to get excited and you want to get optimistic, but it's like, ah, just going to have to wait six months and see what happens. Yeah, and we'll definitely dive more into the whole Tyreek Hill to Miami and Mahomes yeah. getting Juju and those guys um, probably next weekend. Um, you just brought up, you know, waiting for the season. Well, the waiting game for – the Bills' new stadium is officially over. 30 years, it's going to be done, it looks like, hopefully by 2026. Um, it's going to be right across the street, open door con- or open stadium concept, which we both have been very adamant that we want to keep it that way. Um, as someone that grew up in, you know, Western New York, and, I mean, obviously I'm not going to be able to get there as much as, you know, yourself from Pittsburgh, but – I still felt a very big sigh of relief for just my friends, family, and the people of Buffalo who have lived and died with this team and gone through all the ups and downs. And it's like, great, you know, this team's going to be in Buffalo till I'm, you know, 55 years old now. And it's just a big breath of fresh air, a weight lifted off the shoulders. You know, we went through all the Bon Jovi's going to buy the bills and, how invested was Terry Pagula really in keeping this team here? Um, and I think this is just a big weight lifted off a lot of Bills fans' shoulders to finally get this stadium done. It's not downtown. It's right where it's supposed to be. Create that family tailgate atmosphere. There's plenty of stuff to build around it. You can put bars. You can put hotels um, and make things work. Um, and I think it's just going to be an awesome new stadium for a fan base that's deserving more than anyone else in the NFL. Yeah, totally agree. Right. And you've heard that same sentiment from other owners and even right. Roger Goodell, um, when he spoke yesterday at the um, league meetings, um, my first thought though was 30 years, how many Super Bowls are going to, are we going to win in 30 years? Right. (laughs) Like, I wonder, like, that's a long time. How many Super Bowls do you think we're going to win in that 30-year time period? I'm I thinking like five, maybe. I was hoping five or six. <laughs> yeah. Probably you want to say 10, but it's like, nah, we're not going to win one every three years. I think five, five and 30 years. I think I'd, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> On top of next year's and the one after that. <laughs> but yeah, no, I super exciting um i know right we've got to wait a couple more months for renderings to come out and the final drawings people are um speculating uh, i guess the designer the consultant team they've hired also built the tottenham hotspurs stadium over um in england or london wherever the hell they play so um there's thoughts that it's going to be similar to that, right? 80% of the stands are going to be covered. Then it'll be right. That open hole over the field. Um, so we'll see. Um, I think Jeremy white, I want to say tweeted um, some information about the Tottenham Hotspurs stadium and like 
um, some really cool data about like what went into designing that from the same firm who's going to help the Pagulas design um, our new stadium. So go try to find that on Twitter if you can, um, if you want to learn more about it. Pretty cool stuff, um, right? Just information. It's a similar seating capacity is what we're supposed to get. Um, same design concept and everything. So uh, we'll see. But now the fun, you know, the fun starts of um, what's it going to look like? What are they going to put in it? What cool gadgets are going to go along with it? You know, what statues are going to go up? Um, everything. So we'll see, right? Like the popular tweet uh, or kind of Twitter topic this week has been what do you want to see in the new stadium? Um, right. The step up Buffalo had one, you know, what do you want to see? Wrong answers only. Um, and someone said uh, a hall of fame for the drought. And honestly, I think that'd be kind of cool if they did like a best of the drought section within the stadium somewhere. I think it'd be cool. Right. I mean, got to remember where you came from and you know what it took to get to where we are with the new stadium. That'd be cool. Or a nice Buffalo, you know, charging Buffalo statue at the front or something. I don't know. Um, but we'll see. It'll be fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. And, and right in the development that can happen around it. Right. You talked about how um, bars and breweries and shops can open up. Right. Like I know there's room. Who knows what's going to happen with ECC, that ECC South Campus that's right there. That's probably going to be torn down. Right. The stadium won't be right there, but um, that will probably be torn down. And if you've ever been to Foxborough, um, how they have that Patriots place, a little shopping center right next to the stadium. Um, I guess there's rumors that Orchard Park and Hamburg want something similar with hotels, shops, um, restaurants, bars, whatever. So that'd be cool, right, to kind of build that up a little bit. So it's fun to think about. Um, you know, people are disappointed it's not downtown to try to help make downtown a little more legit and lively, but uh, there's no reason you can't still do that out in Orchard Park. So I'm excited for it. It's the right location. No roof is the right move in my opinion. So um, it's just 2026. We'll get here sooner rather than later. I wouldn't mind seeing like the, the four falls of Buffalo where they have maybe a statue of Thurman and Bruce and Jim and Andre out front. Yeah. I think that'd be cool. Kind of how the Sabres have the, French connection, French connection out front kind of deal. Should there be a statue of Josh, right? I mean, the house that Josh built, right? Lucas Oil Stadium is nicknamed the house that Peyton built. The house I mean, he's Josh, got he's got a few years to, he's got a few years to win a Super Bowl, and I think if he wins one, everyone will be full on board for that one, right? So. Um, but hopefully, by the time that that is done. We're going to transition now. Maybe the Sabres will be back to being relevant <laughs> by then. Um, but I got to say, Andrew, the last two weeks, if not month, of Sabres hockey has been thrilling. I couldn't tell you the amount – and you would talk about this, how with Eichel's return, like you actually plan your day around like making sure you could watch the game. Like That's how I feel now with this team like as soon as we're done recording right now i'm gonna go out i'm gonna put the game on edit this and just watch this team i mean even when they were down four nothing last game to chicago and everyone's like ah oh, what do they have to play for this team's not good you know they could just lose the game draft position whatever they come all the way back 
end up winning on the one of the most ridiculous plays I've ever seen. Tage Thompson's stick just snapping in half, bouncing off the back wall, and the goalie kicks it in himself. Um, just terrible goaltending on both sides. But, I mean, Dylan Cousins was flying around. Jeff Skinner was a menace. Um, Middlestat, Olofsson um, had it going. Granado was switching up the lines. Then Tuck buried a goal late in the end. Um, just great overall game. But I think it goes all the way back to when we beat Toronto at home, 5-1. to one. Then you come in, you beat Vegas in the biggest game of the year. So much, you know, built up around that game. You then go and destroy Toronto outdoors. You know, Dylan Cousins lays out their star, Matthews at center ice. Matthews gets suspended because he's so frustrated with Darlene. Darlene's been playing at an like Norris level the last two months as a defenseman. He's finally becoming what everyone wanted him to be as the number one pick. He's just toe dragging guys. He's carrying the puck in. He's fearless. He was the first guy after Tuck tied the game when Middlestat was getting pushed around. He went right over and grabbed the guy and put him in a headlock. Um, and you can see that you know, the leadership is building and Granado in the post game, like even cursing being like, it's so fucking great to be a Buffalo Sabre. Um, and I was actually listening to um, after the whistle on my way home with Andrew Peters and Craig Hervey, and they had um, the defense coach for the Sabres on today. Um, his name's escaping me right now, but um, his first name is Marty, but he like on his work with Darlene and Okiaru and Mateus Samuelson and all these guys, and he talked about how they were talking about the Vegas game and how much it meant to them. And, you know, the, the atmosphere before, during and after the games. And they were saying how the young players really, really bought into, wow, like, look at this crowd. What could this place be at full capacity once we start winning and, you know, basically prove to the fans that we can do this over and over and after the game, I guess they gave out like the sword to like whoever the MVP of the game is. They said for the Vegas game, they gave it to Peyton Krebs. And they said that the thing he said was, I couldn't imagine being anywhere else but being a Buffalo Sabre. It's like, how long has it been since the Briere, Drury, Vanek, all those guys who just loved playing here? Now you have Darlene, Tuck, Krebs, Cousins, Oposo. The mix of all these young and older players, even a guy like Jeff Skinner, who has dealt with so much bullshit the last two years with Ralph Kruger's rejuvenating himself, going to be a 30 goal scorer once again. Even he looks like he's fully invested on being here, not just because he has the expensive contract. Like he genuinely looks like he's having fun being a Buffalo Sabre. And it starts with Don Granado and the culture that's being built and Kevin Adams. And now, and Craig Gervais made this point. The message has already been sent now to the Pagulas. They know the fans, they know the fans aren't happy. They want winning product. They want new things in the arena, maybe a new Jumbotron, or just fix some things up and make it a little bit nicer. Now it's time at the end of the season when there's you know 12 to 15, 20 games left. Go out and support these guys for the last 10, 15 games. Make your presence felt. Let these young kids play in front of a sold out or close to sold out arena and they're playing good hockey. It's not like they're getting killed. Like, yes, there's going to be the throw in games like they had um, against Edmonton when they lose like six to one or five to one, whatever, but 
every other game. So we went to five straight overtime games. Like they're playing quality brand of hockey and the games are exciting. There's no quit in this team. And it just continues to make, you know, you, myself, everyone else more and more hyped about this team. And another reason you're going to want to go watch them is within the next few weeks, Owen Power is probably going to be joining this team. Just another reason to go out and support them right now um, and just be super excited. I mean, Devon or Devin Levi, unreal NCAA tournament. Kind of seems like he's probably going to go back, but I mean, just another guy that you want to keep looking at for the future. And there's just so much to be excited about right now when it seemed like even the beginning of the year when they were up and down, it was kind of like, yeah, we want to be excited, but we're not really sure. It finally feels like I'm kind of buying back in finally when I've been so, you know, push away and stand off for most of the year. Yeah. And, and that all starts with Don Granado, right? I mean, he, when he took over his interim last year, right? Like he was all bought into, Hey, this is my team. This is our team. I'm going to coach these kids the way I know they need to be coached and the way I think they can be pushed and put in the best scenarios to be the best hockey players, right? Like he just stuck by his plan, what he wanted, what he saw for this team, for these young guys. And he has not wavered from that. And I love it, right? Like you're starting to see, like, uh, like you said, he said in the uh, locker room the other night, right? Like it's good to be a Buffalo Sabre, whatever his, his phrasing was, right? Like, that was so refreshing to hear and see. And now, right, you're starting to hear players say publicly how much they love being in Buffalo, how they can feel that energy coming back. They can feel something brewing and they want to stay here. They want to play. They want to contribute and turn this thing around. And it's just, it is so nice, right? Like it's just such a breath of fresh air. I mean, uh, Monday, right? Chicago was Monday, right? Yeah. Monday night, I had other things going on. I couldn't watch the whole game. I uh, opened up Twitter real quick, saw they were down 4 nothing. I was like, oh, boy, let's see where this is at. I turned it on um, just before um, we scored the fifth goal, right? So it was towards the end when things got crazy at the end of the third period. I'm so glad I turned it on because that was just unbelievable. To see that they just never stopped fighting. They never stopped going. My biggest takeaway was Rasmus Dahlin. I mean, that kid. He's developing into a superstar and a leader. Yeah. And on the podcast today, they even the assistant coach talked about that during that game when they went down four to zero after they, you know, they were down three zero. Chicago kind of gets a lucky break, goes up four nothing. He said that Dahlin stood up on the bench, turned everyone, and he said, "Enough is enough. Let's fucking go." And then they started putting a shift together. And then he said Thompson said something. And then Okiaru said something. And Cousins and all these guys, they start feeding off just one good shift after another. And just like, where was that? Like, the expectation – this kid was – when he got drafted, he was supposed to be the greatest defenseman of, like, all time. And that pressure for an 18-year-old was something. And now we're finally seeing he's comfortable. He's developing. He isn't making the same mistakes twice. He's developing – as a leader, which is another reason why Kevin Adams deserves credit for not trading the Colin Millers and the Mark Pesics, because 
they are starting to put wins together and they are learning from these defense, you know, older defensemen. And, but yeah, go ahead and continue with, I mean, Darlene's been a monster. Yeah. Just um, right. His willingness to get scrappy, punch someone in the face, stand up for his teammates. It just now, right. Like his game isn't perfect. He's still got room to grow, um, but it's just, he is totally turn the table on what was going to be his legacy in Buffalo. And he is just taking off and he's growing into that leadership role organically. Right. Like, and again, you know how I feel about Jack, we won't have to reopen it, but right. Like a lot of devil's advocates are saying, right. Well, Jack was pushed into that leadership role before he was ready or before he ever should have or whatever. Right. But Maybe if he was able to grow into it and the leadership, things would be different. I doubt it because say it with me, he's a piece of shit. Um, but right. Darlene has been able to work on himself, work through what he needed to work through. And now, right. We've got this organic process of him being comfortable being this. I mean, he's a veteran on the team at this point, right. Be, being able to stand up on the bench, being down by four goals and saying, Hey, get your fucking heads out of your asses. Let's go. Let's go do this. Let's take this over. Um, and that's what you want and that's what you need. And you've got a team full of guys who are willing to do that, who want to do that. Um, and that's a recipe for success, right? We've talked about in the past, you've got this young core, this, this team is a strong foundation. They're young. They love playing together. They love playing here. You add in those side pieces, those vets, the maybe flashy names that you never thought we'd get, you know, the Von Millers, um, if you will. And hey, we got playoffs coming pretty soon. So um, it's exciting to think that the Bills and Sabres and now Bandits uh, are all going to be in the playoffs in, you know, the same year. I'm going to be alive and old enough and able to experience it in real time. Um, so it's exciting what we've got brewing in Buffalo. It's a good time. Never thought I'd say this publicly or so meant so often, but it's a good time to be a Buffalo sports fan all around. Yeah. I'm very much looking forward to the days where the bandits, Sabres and bills are all good. And there's going to be a lot more drunk people in Buffalo, but it'll be well worth yeah. it. Absolutely. So it's a good time. Fun. Uh, lots of fun Buffalo sports happening. Yeah, and they the Sabres have a tough stretch coming up. They have Winnipeg um, tonight, then they have Nashville, then they have two against Carolina, two against Florida, and one against Tampa. Probably the three best, definitely the three best teams in the East, if not three of the top five teams in the NHL. Even if you can find a way to win two of those games, or, you know, obviously we're not – for this team, moral victories is a little different from like when the Bills, we always talk about moral victories don't matter anymore. In this sense, it's go out, don't get embarrassed, go lose a 5-4 game in overtime, go steal a point. And then we, we've talked about plenty of times towards the end of the season, go play spoiler for especially the Western Conference teams that you have left like the Winnipeg's and the Nashville's tonight. Because let's face it, the East is already set. All the teams that are in top A are making the playoffs. It's more of just lining for stuff, but that still doesn't mean you shouldn't go out and try to, you know, Hey, let's go out and bump Toronto down a couple spots and make them, you know, drop. And Vegas is continuing to dip down and it looks like we're going to get that first round pick. So um, just a lot of things to be excited about. And I'm really excited to get Owen power in here. Cause I think that's just going to 
great. I mean, if Owen Power plans out anything like he's supposed to be, Darlene Power and Mateus Samuelson, that's your left side defensive core for the next eight to 10 years. Yeah. And I hope, right. Like I hope this team gets the support they deserve on this last kind of stretch of the season. Cause I mean, it's not their fault that that place is empty, right? That's not their fault at all. Every, I think it's pretty well established that it's everyone's gripe is with ownership and management. um, Right. And we want a winning uh, product on the ice and we're getting it. So I hope that Buffalo shows up and actually like, supports them they deserve it they have held up their end of the bargain right we said hey we want a winning product we want something to get excited about again well shit we've got it so go and watch them right like experience it now um right obviously it's it's hard for you and i to get up there and watch them but um you know they deserve it they they are working hard they're putting in the effort they're saying all the right things they're doing all the right things um and uh it's time for fans to return that favor right like obviously friday is going to be packed for rj's you know big ceremony the banner and everything better be packed <laughs> yeah seriously so um yeah i they, they've definitely uh stepped up and, and they deserve the support and love and, and hype that they're getting and um so pretty much wrap up the show here i want to ask one question next week we're going to do a full mock draft We'll talk about some of the other NFL moves, Tyree Kill stuff. We'll talk some Sabres, talk some Bandits. But the one question I have before we close, who is the one Sabres player that you have your eye on through the last, you know, 10 to 20 games here of maybe is maybe it's an unrestricted free agent that you're like, oh, I wonder if they're going to bring him back. Maybe it's a young guy. I want to see how he develops um, for the last, you know, 15, 20 games. Um. I'm going to go with Tage. And because I saw a tweet today, he is close to matching Jack's season high goal numbers. Um, So I want to see if he can do that. Right. Like um, I'm assuming, right. Like he's pegged as the new star child within the organization. Right. Like it's shaping up to be that way. Right. It's Tage Tuck. Krebs, right? They are the flashy names. Right? They are the names you're going to see on the back of jerseys. Well, I want to see what Tage can do. Um, I want to see him take that, continue to take those next steps, fill into that leadership role, keep scoring goals, and see if he can pass Jack's uh, number. I think that I, I want to say it was season high of goals. Um, so I, that's I want to see him to continue to just amaze and get better. Because I remember a couple of years ago, I was like, who the fuck is Tage Thompson and get him off the ice. He was terrible. He was terrible when he first came to Buffalo. So um, to see where he is now is awesome. And I just want to keep seeing him get better and keep scoring goals. Yeah. I'm going to go with Casey Middlestat. He's mm. a guy that got a nice new contract in the offseason. not a ton of money, but um, the expectation for him this year was really to come in and be that number one center because Jack had left. He was a high pick. Um, Cousins wasn't quite ready for that role. We still didn't know really about Thompson yet before the season that he was even going to be a center. Um, started off rough, first game gets hurt, comes back, re-aggravates the injury. Um, and when he first came back, he looked a little slow, just, you know, was playing decent, but wasn't getting the production. But 
these last five, six games, he's really put on um, some good performance. He's really been starting to, you know, the no look pass he had the other night um, to yeah. Olsen on the back door tap in was a beautiful play. Um, he closed the season really strong last year when Granado took over. So I'm looking to see if maybe he can net, you know, six, eight goals, add another six, seven assists, finish the year strong. And then next year you're going into the season. You have, you know, Cousins and Thompson and Krebs um, and Middlestat. And it's like, that's four centers right there. The odds of all four of them playing center are very slim. Krebs has been playing next to Dylan Cousins, which they've had really good chemistry. But it's good to have guys that can interchange. I mean, you've seen Jeff Skinner go in and take draws with Tage Thompson on the wing. Like, these guys are interchangeable, and it's a really nice balance to have. My family, being a hockey fan, has always said it's easier to, you know, easier to have a center play wing than it is for a wing to try to play center. Like having too many centers is never a bad thing because they can normally convert out to a winger spot if needed. So um, middle stats, the guy, like I like your Thompson call. If he can finish the season strong, because the last thing you want is a guy like that going into like a 30 goal year and then really slow down at the end of the year and kind of feel like his game's not there. Keep that momentum going for these young guys going into the off season. And it looks like a lot of them talk Thompson cousins, looks like a lot of them are going to go play for um, Canada and U.S. in like the – I can't think of what the tournament's called off the top of my head, of the World Championships or whatever. Um, seems like a lot of them are going to go play in that, which is going to be awesome to see as well. Yep, definitely. Well, uh, that's pretty much going to wrap it up for today's show. Um, go watch the Bandits and the Sabres. By the time this is dropping, they're probably midway through first quarter, first period for – both respectively we'll be back next week with a lot more content we appreciate everyone supporting us give us a follow on instagram at english encore podcast um it's been english encore podcast buffalo's favorite sports channel what a connection allen and Diggs. no one circles the way like the buffalo bills